Today I'm talking to Tina Robinson again, and our topic today is figuring out what you want and why that's such a difficult thing. So Tina, what do you want? Good morning, John. You know, um, other than more coffee, um, that's actually been a very difficult question for me to answer. And you'd think it would be something so primal and so basic and so easy. Um, and so honestly, that's one of the reasons that led me to coaching is because I was struggling so much with answering that question. So, um, well, it's a, it's such a simple question. Yeah. And yet I know that I've been asked it or I've, you know, heard that on the Tony Robbins tapes or whatever, you know, the, what do you want? You need to figure out what you want and thinking, oh yeah, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah, I'll figure out what I want. And then once you take away like, well, wanting more money is, yeah, that's something you want, but like what's underneath that? Like, oh, I don't know. And (laughs) it was interesting. I was talking to someone just recently and they have been using this question more at people in a work setting. What do you Mm. want? And they were reflecting how often people have no idea what they want. Yeah. Or they start with they start with very concrete, simple things because we can wrap our heads around that. And you know me, and, and I tended to have an optimistic view of coaching as as well as humanity. And I think that's a perfectly fine place to start is start with things that you know you want. You know, and if money is one of those things, okay, great, because there's always going to be stuff underneath money that you that you can dig into. Yeah, money is something I definitely need to do some deeper work on because I, <laughs> I know I have money issues and I know a lot of the people I work with, I think it's lurking underneath the surface too. With money, and a friend of mine is actually going to be, um, she's playing with some content around spirituality and finances, which I think is going to be interesting, but that's a topic for another day. What does money mean to you? Could be a follow-up question is you want money. And, and and it's not why do you want money, because we're not trying to get someone to justify their wants, but it's what does money represent to you? Does money represent uh, freedom? Does money represent security? Does money represent safety? Does money represent um, the ability to play? Does money um, represent? Does money allow you to take care of others in a way that satisfies a very deep need to be of service? Money can mean so many things. And yet we start off by saying, I want money. Yeah. The way I like to come at it is to say, what would money give you? Oh, that's good. Yeah. What would money give you? And and it ties right back into what you're saying. Security, freedom, uh, I wouldn't worry anymore. Although I keep hearing this over and over and over again, which is the people that don't have very much money think that if they had money, they would worry less. And the people that have lots of money say, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. You just have lots of it and you worry about that you might lose it. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but then it's, you know, I would put myself in the category of not having as much money. It's always tempting to think, yeah, but it would be different for me. For I would be different. I would. <laughs> but that's not where we're going today. So back to this thing of what we want. What do you think it is about the 
what is it about the difficulty about not being able to say what we want? Hmm. Although I think doing something on money would be a fascinating podcast. Yes. Um, so food for thought there. Yes. Bookmark. Bookmark. Um, why is it so difficult? Because and i'm actually wondering out loud here if it's if it's harder if you have seen that it's harder for women to say what they want versus men or if you have seen that equally ap- across both genders i would say it's contextual ooh okay another word that's a big word it is it is yeah. <laughs> That's like four syllables. You might have to look it up in your dictionary for smart people. Okay. Um. Oh, I don't know. The the whole the yeah. I don't want to the yeah. I feel totally unqualified to, <laughs> to well, get into the whole gender. More, like I don't. It's like, more an observation. And okay. I, so what what is your what do you, what do you think? It, it sounds like you have a position on this. Well, I'm so, I'm actually just wondering out loud is if it is if. There is a gender thing there only because of this, the stereotype that so often women are raised to be of service to others and, um, and to, um, meet other people's needs before their own. Now, not all women are, and there are plenty of men who are also raised to be of service to others. So this is not just, I'm not gonna dive into the gender stereotypes, but I am saying that it is often a pattern that I can speak from some authority here. I'm a girl, at least the last time I checked. And um yeah, sometimes it's hard for me in my marriage to separate what I want and to uh stand strong for my needs um and not lean into what my spouse wants. And it's not that my spouse is, who you've met is he's the least authoritarian person on the planet um, and loves it when I know what I want and stand up for it. It's just 40 plus years of programming go into, well, what do you want? (laughs) And do you think that's uh, the whole nature versus nurture? Like, do you think that's like just inherently who you are? Do you think that like, is that what you observed growing up? Is that just a preference? I think we're a combination of, of all of that. There, There is so much about our adult selves that's formed when we're children. And then we spend our adult years, if we're aware of it, trying to reconcile with the conditioning that we absorbed um, when we were young. And so, it, and that's just makes us uniquely who we are. And so um, I, I don't know if I've shared my, meltdown in Trader Joe's story with you before, but my husband and I, who again is the kindest, least authoritarian, most collaborative person ever. And we went to Trader, we were going to go out to eat and, and he said, let's just go to Trader Joe's and let's buy whatever we want. Okay. (laughs) This is like big rocking Friday night at the Robinson (laughs) house, right? Oh my gosh. Let's get whatever we want at Trader Joe's. How indulgent. And he went off and he was, you know, happily picking things off shelves and, you know, secretly satisfying, tantalizing treats that we don't allow ourselves to get for, you know, calories or whatever. And I'm frozen. I'm standing in an aisle frozen. And I went back to him and I said, well, what do you want? He goes, 
just get whatever you want. And I said, well, what, what are you getting? Cause I'll make sure that whatever I get aligns with what you're getting. <laughs> he said, it, it doesn't matter. We're just going to have a smorgasbord feast, get whatever you want. And I actually had, I had a meltdown. I had a physical reaction to being put in this position of having to actually serve my own needs. I think I scared other people. I noticed mothers <laughs> moving their small children away from me, you know, in the cereal aisle at Trader Joe's. And it, I realized, oh my gosh, Tina, you have something going on here that you need to pay attention to because this shouldn't be this hard. So it's what makes me uniquely me. And it's something that I, from that moment on, I've been really working on. Um, what do I want? And we talked about, John, that sometimes it's easiest to start with what you don't want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and I have. <laughs> oh, you have a different opinion. Well, okay. I think, well, I think it's slippery. I, I guess if I were to, my encouragement would be, if you're going to invest time in this, is it's been more time investing in what you want than in what you don't want. It, because in a, and I don't know what I think about the law of attraction, but the Oh yeah. The, yeah. In other words, it's it's the notion that you we tend we tend to get the things in our lives that we focus the most on. So if we're focused on in other words, focusing on what you don't want can be a dodge against really spending or deflection against doing the hard work of figuring out what you want. So I think there's value in it, but if you spend a whole day focused on all the things, like in other words, you're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Starbucks and and for 30 minutes, I'm gonna write in my journal what I want. But you spend that full 30 minutes writing all the things you don't want. You, you're you're sort of closer to what you want, but you really aren't. You just like filled yourself with a bunch of negative energy about all the stuff that you don't want. But now you're kind of like you've immersed yourself in it, and so. Some people would say, well, now you're going to bring more of that stuff to you. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's a really good perspective. And you're right. And we are magnetic. We attract. Um, we're constantly attracting. And our thoughts manifest. So it really is this idea of um, your thoughts res turn into actions. Um, and so, yeah, it... Uh, I love that perspective. The only reason I said sometimes start with what you don't want is give yourself a place to start. If you really truly are stuck, Fair enough. but don't, but don't dwell there. I totally agree with that. Don't dwell on, um, you know, so for me at the Trader Joe's, I could have quickly gone through, well, I don't eat chicken. I don't want that. I don't want to cook that. I don't want to do. And then. So narrowing, using it narrow to narrow things down. I think that would have helped me out of my um, humiliation at the TJs. Um, <laughs> I guess to come at it the other way, sometimes I think limitations help frame the inability to not figure out what we want. Mm, so in other mm -hmm. words, I'm not allowed to have things. I'm not allowed yeah. to um, have a point of view or... Uh, this religion says that things are this way. So the fact that I have these thoughts and feelings means that I, according to this code of what's right and wrong, I can't have it because that's because it says it's wrong or whatever. So sometimes I think, yeah, having 
there needs to be a place to just have no blank sheet of paper and say, this is what I want. Although I feel like I kind of lost where I was going with that. That's a great idea is to use what you don't want as, as a way to start narrowing down what you want, but to not dwell there um, because it's very easy to go down negative memory lane of, oh, I don't want this. I don't want this. Um, and then at the end of it, you don't have anything new. Like, <laughs> yeah. in other words, if, if you take my little 30 minute example, you leave Starbucks like, okay, you're like 1% closer to your goal, but you still haven't done the hard work of what do I want. Now, one thing I will say on this is sometimes it's a blank sheet of paper and writing at the top in big letters, uh, this is what I want or I want dot, 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 and then just free write. Just just ridiculous. I want $5 million. Yep. I want to eat whatever I want and not get fat. Like just write and write and write and write. But you were going to say something. No, I love that idea. And that really is about starting to manifest. And um, what does this manifest word mean? It sounds like some well, spooky woo woo. <laughs> I want to manifest a new car in my driveway. <laughs> well, you used that four syllable word that I just promptly forgot. And Context. so, uh, and um, contextual. Contextual. Yeah. So you, you use that. So I'm going to go ahead and use another word. Manifest. So, manifest. Um, that manifest is this idea of uh, you you create your own future. And it's okay. It can be a little woo-woo. It can be a little spiritual. Um, but th the idea behind the law of attraction is that you attract um, what you are thinking. And that if you are focused on negative thoughts, then those are the things that are likely to come true. If you are running late and you keep thinking um, – Oh I'm my late, gosh. I'm late. I'm late. I'm going to be late. I'm late. I'm late. I'm late. I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. Traffic's going to be horrible. Um, there's a good chance traffic will be horrible. Now, is there a science to this? Has this been tested? Um, that's where you know, I go. <laughs> yes. And so no, but, um, it is, it is this idea that what you believe oftentimes comes to pass in, um, in your life. So why don't you just believe happier, more positive things um, and see if those start to come to pass? You know what? I I tried something around that. In fact, I coined a little phrase uh, around this notion of being late to something, which was every second counts. There's plenty of time. Anyway, I don't know. It, it helped in form of like, because I was, I was, I had like, I was going to be late to something, but I was like, no, I have plenty of time and every second counts. So keep focusing, keep doing whatever you need to do to get out the house. And I barely got there on time as opposed to like, oh, why do I always do this to myself? Why am I always late? What, what's my problem? Again, yeah. what's my problem? What's my your, problem? Your brain will be like, well, John, let me tell you all the ways right. that you have problems. Let me start. <laughs> right. Like, we need, we need six hours for this, John. So, right. you know. Get comfy. <laughs> but yeah, or oftentimes, and this is a very common discussion in coaching, is we ask the client, um, what does success look like for you? Imagine success. And and so sometimes when I am running late or I'm trying to get somewhere, I will actually think about 
what success looks like. I will imagine myself walking into the meeting on time. I will imagine walking into the building five minutes early and having a chance to freshen up. I will imagine the successful conversation that I have with the person that I'm meeting. I will actually start to think about um, what does success out of the these activities look like and force my brain and force my thoughts to go to a happier place and to get me out of, I'm running late. Um, you know, my lipstick broke, uh, my hair looks like a bird's nest, whatever, whatever. And actually think about the success, just like with, with anything, what does, you know, what does success at work look like to you? What does a successful relationship with your spouse look like or feel like, how do you feel about this? Um, something that, um, I often do with clients who are thinking about what they want to do with, with work is I say, okay, take a piece of paper or if it's John, go onto your computer into Excel (laughs) and make a chart. And on the down the left hand side, vertical axis, write down all the things you the skill sets that you know you're good at. You know, so maybe it's problem solving, maybe it's strategic thinking. If you've taken an assessment, great, pull from there. You know, if you've taken Strengths Finder, pull from there. Um, if you consistently get feedback on performance reviews that you're good at XYZ, write it down. So write down the things that you're good at. Now, across the top, write down um, all of your your professional experiences. So write down every role that you've had, you know, pick a timeline, you know, last five years, last 10 years, whatever. Then match them up. When were you using that skill? And then... What it starts to do, because it, it, it sounds very simple, but sometimes people want something tangible. And then you're going to say, okay, at, um, now hi- highlight when were you happiest? Okay, so I was using my strengths. Um, so I was using seven of my 10 strengths in this role. Now talk to me, how did you feel in that role? Mm-hmm. Well, I felt really good in that role. Well, wh- okay, talk, you know, what made you feel good? Well, I was using my strengths. I felt valued, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you can start to get a sense of, okay, part of what I want in whatever is next for me professionally is to be able to use these skills, to be able to use these strengths because it makes me feel like this. Well, and I would almost, another one that might be useful too is values. So what are my yeah. values? Mm-hmm. And then ranking that against your positions because yeah what i found for myself was i was in a role in an environment that that i think it barely honored one of my values and i was totally unhappy mm-hmm. and that became really clear another thing i would sneak into the what are my skills is what did i like to do when i was 12 i keep hearing this suggestion and i think it's really true when i was 10 or 11 or 12 i would love to play with audio equipment <gasps> like here I am really? today. Yeah. Yes. So, so that's a, like a real encouragement to people is if, and it, it takes your brain into a different place, but is it, when you were 10, 11, 12, what did you love to do? Like when, you know, you had plenty of time, like what was it? Maybe it was video games. Maybe it was make me audio. Maybe it was reading. I still loved it. I was totally a reader and that's what I was doing. I still love to read. So 
what are those things? And maybe they fit into this thing that uh, pushed us maybe in a different direction, which is helping you figure out what you really want. So like one of the things that I really want is I want to keep doing audio stuff. And I love that you have woven the audio stuff as your very technical term um, into your work, too. So you have found a way to incorporate um, the technical element into the coaching that that you do by this very podcast, which is a really that's it's brilliant. Which in the work context, I'd push this even further, which is if you can get really clear on what you want, you can make it part of your personal development plan. And if it's part of your personal development plan, then your boss or your department or your team or whatever, you know, if they agree to it, then they have to support it. So let's get really wacky. So say you're on a marketing team, you're interested in podcasting. You've never done it, but you list a development goal as I would like to get proficient at podcasting to help promote the message of our company. Hey, boss, remember I've got the development goal around podcasting and I need to go to this conference. It's going to be a couple thousand dollars and it's in New York. Can I go? Mm, you got a much greater chance of going if it's like part of this plan that your yep. boss needs. to. So anyway, that's something I've done. The other thing along those lines, too, is if I look back on my career and the moves that I've made. Every single one of those like really, really positive moves was because I got really, really clear about what I wanted. Yes, you and you've shared that story. Um, and you manifested to go back to my fancy word, <laughs> you manifested. So when when you became very clear about what you wanted, and then asked for it at work, you got it. And maybe there was a little bit of holy schmoly, I just got it. But you and it wasn't yet attracted it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it sounds okay. Yeah, and it was, I guess what I want to say is it wasn't that I said this is exactly what I want and then the next day it was perfectly delivered in the format I wanted, but it changed the trajectory of everything. In other words, instead of saying I want to manage projects, it was I want to coach. And yep. then it was several months and months and over a year of of kind of steering the ship in that direction, Yep. but without getting really, really clear of this is where I'm ultimately wanting. This is what I think. And again, this is all loose stuff too. It's like, I could have said, well, I don't know what I want and I'll know when it shows up. I would just be wandering aimlessly. (laughs) But no, I set this direction of, I want to do coaching. Or at the time it was, I think I want to do coaching. And so I started exploring it and I started making it a part of what I said yes to and what I said no to. And, And it just hit me that I think one of the, maybe one of the reasons that, that we struggle with putting out there what we want is that we might get it. You know, the old saying, be careful what you wish for, you know? So for example, I had been saying, I want to be on a board. I want to be on a board and I got my wish. And now I'm realizing, Oh, it's a lot of work to be on a board. Um, (laughs) Wait a minute. And there's a lot of unknowns and I'm figuring things out. And there are days that I bang my head, but I still have to go back and say, Tina, you manifested this. You said you wanted the experience of being on a board, partly so that you could more directly relate with your nonprofit clients um, who are so reliant on their, their boards. And you got it. You know, so part of asking for what you want is imagining what it's going to feel like to get it. 
so your boss said, great, go do coaching. And then what if you had said, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> great. And then you would, oh my gosh. So I think that's sometimes why it takes us a while because we have to be ready for our success. So it's one thing to say what you want, but what, what happens when you get it? Are you ready? It, it, it's the other side of asking is the receiving of it. Can you receive it graciously and gratefully with open arms saying, okay, I got this and I'm going to run with it. Do you relate to this thing? Cause I hear this often in startup entrepreneurial circles, this whole notion of the fear of success, but I don't, I have a hard time relating to it. I don't, I have, I mean, I relate, I guess, to the part of like, I'll be successful and then it's, and then I'm going to have another mountain to climb. But the idea of you might be massively successful with this. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't relate to that. I think it goes back to what you, to the, an individual's deepest core of, there is a sense of, okay, when you are successful, now what? Um, if you've set a goal for yourself and then you reach that goal, well, now what? That's a goal that's been driving you for, for a long time. And that's a goal that's been sort of your constant. Well, what happens when you reach it? I had a moment in Robinson storytelling land um, where I was sitting having coffee with a dear friend from SAP, uh, my former employer. And we were chatting and, you know, I was, it was when I was still figuring a lot of things out. And she said, well, what do you want? What have you always wanted? And I just looked at her with that deer in headlights look of like, <laughs> ah, Trader Joe's, Trader Joe's. My whole body started to twitch. It was very unpleasant foam, you know. And she said, well, if you could do anything you want, if money wasn't an object, if you could just do anything that, that you wanted. And I said, you know, I've, I've always said that I would teach. And she looked at me and she said, but you are teaching. And I had this weird epiphany in the coffee shop of, oh my gosh, she's right. I teach at a university. I am Professor Robinson. I got what I wanted. And it was this weird moment of celebrating and honoring that success and receiving it and being grateful for it. But then it was sort of like this, well, now what? Mm. That was something that I've been saying for 20 years. Well, now what? I just, okay, congratulations, Tina. You got what you wanted. Okay, I guess now I haven't what? gotten there yet. <laughs> but I think that happens for all of us, maybe even in small ways. And so this idea of maybe the fear of success comes from, um, well, it's the now what? Is mm. it just now you teach two classes? Now you teach full-time versus part-time? Or you made your first million, now you got to make your second million? That initial goal has been such a driving force for us that it's having to sort of, it's the recognition that you're plateauing and then recognizing that, um, plateauing means you either eventually go down or you have to go back up. It's one perspective. Well, I'd like to believe that the whole notion of getting clear on what you want, like that's kind of obvious. That's compelling on its own. What other ways would you say, or do you have other ideas on helping people figure out what they want? Because I think that's the hardest part of this. I loved your idea, John, about thinking back to childhood. Because if you think about kids, now I don't have kids. I just watch them sort of the same way that I watch animals at the zoo. You know, 
I don't get too close. <laughs> I have a bag of peanuts. You know, I just, I keep my distance. But, um, you know, I look at my nieces and nephews and when, especially when they were little and how clearly they knew what they wanted. You know, when, when two-year-olds say no, or yeah. I want that, there is such, <laughs> there's no hesitancy. Is there, <laughs> there is such a definitive sense of, I want that. That's what I want. And I, I'm not a child psychologist, but I find psychology fascinating is when do we start to, um, when do we start to hold back our wants? When do we start to, to second guess our wants, even as children? And what is the influence that makes us do that? So I loved your idea of go back to when you were a kid. What made you happy? And it start with, I loved running around. I loved being outside. Okay, go with that. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Um you know, I loved reading. What was it about reading? Um, and dig into that. And what are the elements of reading that brought you joy? It was information gathering. It was learning. Now, did you like to talk to other people about what you read or just keep it to yourself? And I, I think that's a beautiful place to start. And it's a fun place to start. When you touched on another exercise that I found a long time ago, it's called the, f- I want to say it's the five whys or the five what's. But it's the idea of asking why or what five times. So I liked reading. Why? It helped me escape. Why was that important to you? Uh, I loved imagining things. Oh, why do you like to imagine? In other words, it gets harder and harder. But by the time you get to that fifth level, you've landed in a completely different place and in a clear, like, whoa. And you can use this anywhere, work anywhere, I promise. That's really good. I would challenge that by leading towards the what's versus yes. the why's because the why's tend to, there is almost, there can be a note of justification. Judgment, yes. Justification yes. or judgment. You know, so even when you're asking open ended questions, I, when I, when, when I teach on that, especially managers trying to become better coaches, I say, what's, What's and how's versus why's. Catch yourself when you're about to ask why. Yes. And even a question I found, even a question that you, that's a why question that you reframe in a what, it has a softer delivery and it gets a better yes. answer. Totally. Yeah. You just asked that. So um, I, I like to escape. What were you escaping? Versus why were you? Yeah. Like what was wrong escaping? with, what was wrong with you that you had to escape your life? Yeah. Versus what were you escaping becomes a little bit more concrete and it becomes, uh, well, I was escaping, um, the, uh, the feeling that I don't know, it was mundane or boring or, um, or I was alone or lonely or my environment was totally chaotic and right. I hated it. Right. So what was what it was... that you hated? What, what, what was it about? That yes. You, yes. Not why did you hate it and and why should you yeah. have liked it anyway, even though you hated it? <laughs> yeah. One of the, the the many things that I love about your podcast and about you in general is that you are practical. I mean, you really are a very practical coach. And even if anybody is listening to this, uh, well, all of the many people, we're, we're manifesting a, you know, <laughs> 
ton You're of people listening to this. So this. all of the millions of people listening to this podcast, even if you uh, just take one thing away from this, switch your questions from why to what. You will notice a difference in your interactions with people. Especially like very close, like spouses or partners. Yeah. Because it, yes, it takes, <laughs> I like that advocate. Yes, because it takes away any possible level of accusation. Accusation, judgment, criticism, questioning, interrogation versus what? Yeah, what and how? Yeah, how is also good. You can also push it in a really like, what were you thinking? Right. (laughs) That one might get you in trouble. Yeah, try not to start with what the bleep, you know. Right. So uh, let's, yeah. So a slight tweak on our go for the what, just <laughs> it can't be what the bleep. Well, and I want to come back to, to the, the notion of when you're trying to figure out what you want related to why and judgment is mm-hmm. no judgment. In other words, this, I would encourage yeah. people to write the most uh, unfiltered, scariest, um, just whatever's embarrassing or unsafe or whatever for you the the freedom the important the critical thing here is the freedom and the unfilteredness of just creating this list and if you have to write this list and then burn it do that but just there can't this is just i I don't know i can't writing without constraints or filters yeah is i think one of the fastest ways to start getting at what's really going on versus the, the mental hop of like, well, I'd really like a million dollars. Oh, well, money, you know, money is the root of all evil. And I don't know. And uh, just, no, I want $5 million. What else do you want? I want a new car. What else do you want? And just go, go, go. Another, another way I've come at this too is to just set aside a certain amount of time every day. Like I did this a long time ago. I sat down for 20 minutes or 30 minutes every day, starting off by writing, I want and i had to and i had to sit in the chair and write or do nothing that those are really good ideas i love the the idea of timing yourself too you know what if you gave yourself you it's um 20 wants in 2 minutes or 5 minutes you know so actually <laughs> challenge yourself to really make a list and to because what you're trying to do is break out of the critical thought. You're trying to break yourself out of the second guessing. And if you give yourself too much time, you're going to go, well, is $5 million enough? And now, is that before taxes or after? So maybe I actually need $10 because I live in California. Well, and it's also, I've also found it's also building a muscle. Yeah. And I'm yeah. stealing this from James Altwood. Altucher, he his book. Uh, I'll link to it. Can't remember it, but it was the idea of creating lists. And so he would challenge. He challenged himself to come up with you know ten ways to make a car better, ten ways to make a refrigerator the like, like just wacky weird stuff. But it was the idea, and I played with this, and I did find that each day as I sat down to do this, it became easier to just throw up random crazy stuff, but. Over the course of several days, things started to really settle. Uh, I think I was journaling. I think I was I was reflecting on a work situation, and and I shared it with my coach. And what she observed was, in the first few days, it was all about other people. <laughs> yeah. And then as things settled down, it was more of like, no, this is what 
I, it was like, I want these other people to not be this way or whatever. And it was like, as I got to, as, as things settled out, it was more of like, no, this is what I want. This is what I want to be, which gets out of that category of this is what I don't want. Right, right. That's, that's really good. So another tangible thing to do of just work that muscle. I want this. I want this. Even, even going back to the grocery store and you're there and you have your list of the the things. And then what, what do you want? You know, um, it's almost like, um, trusting your instinct, trusting your, um, you walk down the snack food aisle and something draws you to something. Get it. Just get it. As long as it's not going to kill you because you have some kind of weird allergy, just get it. Cause I think that's working a muscle too. And it's, yes, you could start to go in the wise and it feels a little indulgent, but what you're doing is you're honoring that instinct in you, that intuition, that call it whatever you want, your gut, your higher self, your whatever. But that inner voice, that sense of knowing, um, that will help you and will guide you if we, if we teach ourselves to listen to it more. When people say, oh, I had a gut reaction to that, there's something to that. We, we, we react physically to certain situations, stimuli. So, you know, if you really want those chocolate covered, um, almonds and you and you walk by them and you were just compelled to get them, just get them, get them. <laughs> now, what that is, is our advice. What is, what's your take to that different parts of the body inform or I was talking to someone about this the other day. I was sharing that I've been listening and thinking more from my heart Yeah, and not my, it's, it sounds really weird, but Maybe I'll get it. In other words, instead of thinking from my brain, what's the pragmatic, practical, whatever, it's really like thinking from the center of my heart and just like, what do I, what's the answer? What am I thinking? Now I was talking to someone about this and they said, oh yeah, there's, there's the, the heart chakra or something. And there's all kinds of stuff going on there. Yeah. That's, that's, there's totally something to that. And then I mentioned that when I coach with people, a lot of times as a, as a pattern interrupt, I will, especially if we're having trouble like figuring something out, I was like, what does your left foot tell you? And just picking random things just to kind of interrupt. And it's amazing sometimes what people like, What and it's super helpful for me. Anyway, this person was saying different parts of your body inform different things. Do you know anything about that? That's a whole other topic, which I think would be fun. And it actually could be a very interesting um, discussion with somebody who really knows neurobiology. Well, like, no, but there, <laughs> no, but there's, there's neurobiology, there's neuropsychology. Um, so there is a science to this. I mean, I can lean into, uh, I think there is something about the, the chakras. I mean, I just, my attitude is why not explore it? You know, um, Mm. I know that I tend to feel stress in certain parts of my body. I think we all do. If we really listen to our bodies, we all feel stress in certain places. We have certain parts of ourselves that are almost like, um, early distress kinds of warnings, you know, so some people will get it in their stomach. Some people have their throats close up. Some people, their heart starts to pound faster. I get it right in my solar in my solar plexus. So I get it right, um, sort of in in that soft spot underneath your breastbone, 
like right there, that is where I feel stress. Now I can tie that to the solar plexus chakra and know that it means my power, my sense of worth, my sense of self-confidence and all of that. And there is a logic there for me. And then I can do things about that. Um, so I, I love your idea of breaking the thinking because we are, we, we think through everything. Most of us think we overthink and we think way too much and we do not listen to other parts of ourselves, whether that be the, your body and your physicality or what you're feeling. So there's a reason that coaches often will say, um, what were you feeling when that happened versus what were you, what were you thinking? Cause we're, as you said, trying to break such an ingrained pattern in our go, 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 do, 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 think, think, think society. Um, hmm. doesn't mean thinking's bad. Um, but it's, as you said, you're trying to work different muscles. And what if you leaned into things that made you feel good? It feels good to indulge in the chocolate covered almonds. <laughs> that, that one sounds slippery to me. I guess what the, I guess what, to make this really practical. So I was promoting my recent Zoom call and I was having a hard time knowing, you know, do I keep sending this to my list? Do I put this on social media? What do I do? And it was really fascinating because I was thinking and thinking. I was going in circles. And then I was focused on my heart. And I said, do I need to do something right now? And it was so fascinating. It was like this clear as day. It was like, no. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that was easy. <laughs> I don't need to worry about this right now. And then later on, a couple of days later, I said, I was the same thing. I kind of asked my heart. I was like, do I need to do anything? I think maybe I should send something. I was like, yeah, send something. I was like, wow, that's so much easier than getting lost in my head. It is. And for you to say that, because you you spend a lot of time in oh, your yeah. head. It's my favorite place. <laughs> it is. And it's a place that most of us know very well because we're rewarded for that. I mean, think about just all of our schooling and, and all of our professional situations you're usually not rewarded for listening to your heart. You're rewarded for listening to your head. Um, even if it's, it, and even doing the right thing, is that a heart thing or a head thing? And so we, we're just raised trusting our, our brains more because that's the, that's where we're rewarded. So I think it's great. And it's so easy to make fun of coaches who ask questions like, well, where are you feeling that even in your body? The reason we're asking that is because we want you to get back in touch with your physical body and to yes. use your, use your body as a tool, as a decision-making tool and as something that you can trust. Yes. I've had, I've had so many valuable conversations with people where they say, um, you know, I'm resisting working on this project. Where are you feeling that? Oh, it's like this knot in my stomach. Ooh, what's that not telling you? What's it? What's the not like? Yeah. Oh, it's like this old piece of rope that's, you know, been weathered and it's a hundred years old. Oh, what is it? What, you know, and then digging instead of like, well, what's, what's going on in your mind that you haven't started on this project? Like the conversation. And then by the end, we've ended up in some com completely unexpected yeah. place where they're like, you know what? I need to take a, a machete to this rope and. <laughs> You know, and it sounds all woo-woo, but it's, I don't know how to describe it. It's real. It's, 
it's impactful. It's motivating in a way that just trying to logic it through doesn't work right. as effectively. Well, and you start to get into metaphor and you start to get into imagery. And we at our that's how humans that's how we told stories for a long time. Um, we we told stories through pictures. You know the 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 stuff that you find on, on the caves um, from our ancestors were not a bunch of words. It was a bunch of pictures. So we are a pic- <laughs> we we have been using pictures to tell stories for much, much longer than we've been using words. Um, and so there is something about getting to a picture. So that knotted rope becomes a very tangible metaphor. What do you do with rope? You can untangle it. You can tie it in a bow. You can retie it. You can wrap it around something. You can, it be, there's all these things that you can do with it. Um, well, and- that could that could be another way too. To, in terms of figuring out what you want, if you're and I've worked with some people that are artistic, draw a picture, or mm-hmm. just like sketch, like just I don't know how to draw or do art, but in other words, whatever it is where you can sit down with a medium where there are no constraints and you just start mm-hmm. doodling or drawing or I don't know. There there could be some some magic yeah. there as well. Another one that I'll throw into is a. Uh, Going for a walk with the audio recorder on your phone and just talk out loud. That's (laughs) a really good idea because when you're walking, you are physically, the the physical movement almost invariably results in thoughts moving. And so just stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I want, I want, and it could be you're looking around, you know, I want a burrito from Chipotle Grill. (laughs) I want a new BMW. (laughs) But you might in the process of doing that, Come on, something very unexpected. So where, That's where, a really good idea. Where were you going with your thought before I added that in? And then we should probably wrap up. No, I love that. I think that's that's a really good... I think always ending a podcast on Chipotle Burrito, <laughs> I think should should be the theme <laughs> unless they're having somehow, a, unless they're having a health scare <laughs> right unless there's ebola that's been you know found there but um oh no sorry e coli ebola e coli you know okay um, now now we need to turn this around and end on an up note <laughs> well yes we do but i think ending on chipotle burrito i think if, if you could work that into all of your 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 podcast you know it could be sort of your signature just a thought Okay. Where are you feeling that right now, John? I'm feeling some real discomfort in my stomach that we've <laughs> left people in this like negative space of oh, e- no. of E. coli and beans. Go get a burrito. Food poisoning. <laughs> Burritos are yummy. No, this was really great. I'm walking away with some really good ideas and um, just a reminder to um, that just how how much it matters to ask for what you want and recognizing the the challenge of that and that it it may not be easy and we may have some fear ar- around getting what we want but the reward it's is huge. is huge it's huge and you deserve it and it could change the rest of your like the the trajectory of your life that sounds really like whoa really it's totally true so i want to throw a challenge there to people if you are having trouble figuring out what you want or you want to go deeper on this, send an email to podcast at johnpolster.com. Or if you've figured out what you want and you've done an exercise or I don't know, anything that you want to share around this is what you've learned about what you want. 
I'd be curious to see it. So send it on over. And if you don't want me to share it on a future podcast, I won't. And if you don't care, let me know that too. So thanks, Tina. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And um, I wish you a magical manifesting (laughs) rest of the day. Now I got to figure out what I'm going to manifest. Okay. I'm going to go and manifest some more coffee. And another phone call. (laughs) And another phone call. So... Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.